Howdy folks, and welcome back to the podcast. Do hope that you are all keeping well and life is treating you all well. Uh, I do hope you had a good January as well. For a lot of people, it was a bit of a false start as far as their, their programs, their progress is concerned. And I just want to highlight before we get stuck into this week's episode that January is not the be-all and end-all. Just because it's the beginning of the year doesn't mean that you failed if you struggle to kind of get going because it's a really tricky month. You're trying to re-establish a lot of normality, coming off the back of the most disrupted season of the year, loads of random food choices, the expectation that you're going to feel or think differently, and that can really that can really do some funny things to your mind and your perspective. So there's nothing wrong with January very much being a, I'm just going to recalibrate to normal life first. And then February is very much a mindset of, okay, I'm going to dial it in. But also, don't lock yourself into months. Don't do that fucking thing of, oh, this is going to be my month or this is going to be my year. Most people think too grand with what they're up to. They think of the longer term. They think of multiple days. Just start. Just start being more aware of what you're consuming. Perhaps tracking what you're consuming. Start by moving a little bit more and just being more aware of how much you move. Start by having a look at your life, just making a list and going, right, what are my bad habits? And just start beginning to look at them and go, right, can I change that? Can I tweak that? Can I charge my phone in the lounge instead of in the bedroom, get myself an alarm clock? Can I limit my phone time? Maybe it's a good idea to restrict screen time on certain apps at certain times of the day. You know, Maybe it's a good idea to get up a little bit earlier. Perhaps I need to look at the way I'm approaching my my day and going right. I'm I'm finding I'm I'm not moving that much because I'm an office worker. So perhaps I need to move more on the weekends. But then I also need to look at my lunch break or perhaps before work. Again, there's a million and one different things, and I could continue that section of this podcast for pretty much the entirety of this episode. But my point is that if January wasn't quite the start that you were hoping for, relax. It happens to us all. Sometimes January can be the worst month of the year when it comes to adherence. And there isn't anything wrong with that because there's no rush on this. Of course, we all want to be fit. We all want to be healthier. And we all want to get to our goals as quickly as possible. But in a lot of ways, that could be the very thing that stops us from getting to our goals because we're trying to get there super quick. I'm down on the south coast of England. If I'm traveling from here to Scotland, it's going to take me a while and I'm going to have to stop for fuel, I'm going to have to stop for a wee, I'm going to have to stop for some food. You can't do it in one go. It's a potential that you can, but you're going to ruin yourself doing it, and you're going to end up in quite a mess. <laughs> so it's a good idea to stop at the services. And it's the same thing with this journey. Do not expect to do it in one go. Be patient with yourself and understand that you are on a journey, a journey of gradual and sustainable lifestyle change. Because if you change the elements of your life that cause the problem, you'll achieve the result. If you simply just go forwards into, you know, the the approach head first, just simply with a means to an end, I promise you not only will your adherence to it be short-lived, but your results will be too. If you want lasting results, you've got to have lasting change. Anyways, let's get into today's episode, shall we? Comparison and composition. Wanted to talk about this specific subject because we often do compare ourselves to other people and more often than not, we actually compare ourselves to past versions. 
You'll be amazed at how many conversations I've had where someone has had a specific weight goal and they've then found themselves comparing, well, when I've dug a bit deeper, turns out they're comparing themselves to how they were when they were 17 before they finished growing. And so you have to be realistic in terms of you can't compare your body now at the age of 45 to 17. You also can't compare your weight to where you were when you were 17. So perspective in that regard is key. But composition as well. I wanted to touch on this element because I, for a long time, averaged about 183 to 185 pounds, kind of within that zone. And at that weight, I have had many different looking and functioning physiques. For example, if you took pictures of me at that weight, uh, at different snapshots of my life, my physique would look very, very different. And the reason for that is because at different stages, despite the fact that my weight was the same, my composition was different. Now, firstly, composition in the form of how much muscle and how much fat I've got in ratio. So when I was a fluffier 185, let's say, less definition, that will be because slightly less muscle and slightly more body fat. Chances are I've just gone off the back of a period of not training that consistently, being a bit lackadaisical with my diet. Also, I've been a, I don't want to say a lean 185, but I've been a leaner, more defined 185. Uh, and again, that's more muscle, less body fat. The other thing to consider as well was that every single time you regain the body fat, you'll regain it in a different area. I've had many times where it's been stubborn body fat on top of my abs that has been the last thing to go. But then once I've lost it, when I've put a bit of body fat back on, it's not gone immediately onto the last area I lost it, i.e. my abs. It's gone onto the love handle area. So in the same way that you can't control where your body takes the body fat from when you're losing it, nine times out of ten comes off your arms and your face, etc. first, it's the same thing as far as when you put it back on. Every single time you regain, every single fluctuation will be different from a composition perspective. So it's important to bear that in mind. Now, the reason why I brought these two topics together is because we can often compare ourselves to relatives, siblings, colleagues, friends, and we use, when we dig deeper, the metrics of height sometimes age, as the determining factor of comparison, i.e. you're five foot four, I'm five foot four, let's have a look at our physiques. The thing and the biggest thing that makes a difference in terms of the physique that you've got, categorically the biggest, is who your parents were and who your grandparents were. The single most determining factor of your body composition is your genetics. After that, it is lifestyle. And a lot of that lifestyle was influenced by your parents. So it is important to understand that we don't have full control in terms of our physiques. The other thing that's important to, to mention is that bone composition, not just in terms of the density of bone, but also the length of bone makes a big, big difference. Your skeletal system is actually pretty damn heavy. And so it's important to bear in mind that although you may be 5'2 and your sorry 5'4 and your mate may be 5'4, the actual situation is though your height is the same, you've got a different width of shoulders, you've got a different composition of bones. One of you has got denser femurs than the other. And so 
it's important to, to take into account that even before we're discussing body fat levels and leanness, this is a factor. Obviously, different parents as well makes a huge, huge difference. And they studied this, by the way, by looking at uh, twin studies that were separated from their biological parents. And the thing that makes the difference is genetics more so than anything else. Because imagine two twins, uh, or twins, I should have said. One goes off to one family and they're overweight. Um, another goes off to another family and they are very athletic the net composition of those twins tends to be more reflective of their natural biological parents than the nurture of their adoptive parents. That's not to say their adoptive parents don't have an influence because at the end of the day, I have a job for a reason. Body fat, muscle, calories, movement, they all do make a difference. It is very, very, very possible and very realistic and very obvious that the way in which you live is influenced by your parents but as a baseline physique your your parents or your genetic parents do have a huge amount to do with that and to a certain degree you're limited by that this is why some of the top bodybuilders in the world are in the position they're in because of genetics it's not calories it's not training it's not drugs however this is not to say that all hope is lost because as i said I have a career, a successful one, and a lot of successful transformations. So you have a huge amount of control. There's not as much control as people think. So, comparison and composition. The reason why we must be incredibly careful when it comes to comparison is because of all of these factors. Genetics, lifestyle, upbringing, different compositions of physique. And so it's not as simple as going, I'm 5'4", you're 5'4" or I'm 35, you're 35. There's so much more nuance to it than that. So the problem is we can sometimes be frustrated because of that. You could also be frustrated in terms of calories. Everybody has a different metabolic health, which also is, uh, is influenced by genetics and is influenced by lifestyle. You could take two people and both of them 35, both of them 5'4", for example, both of them female. And one of them, when adhering to 1,500 calories, will lose two and a half pounds a week. The other one, when adhering to 1,500 calories, will lose one and a half pounds a week. Activity, the same. And the reason for that is because metabolic health, there is such a thing as speed of metabolism. And this is why there is no cut and shut approach to calories. I have a formula which I use, the Mifflis, can't speak, the Mifflis Senjour formula, uh, but I also use that formula alongside my own experience of people, and that's why I calculate people's calories where I do, start them where I do, make adaptations in the way that I do, because everybody's different. Everybody needs a different approach. Everybody's body responds differently, and it's important sometimes to not have a knee-jerk reaction. When a client first starts with me, I give them a couple of weeks to just settle in before we jump on the scales. But sometimes when we jump on the scales, there's scale fuckery at play when they're retaining water, for example. And also, it's not always a true picture of what their body is doing. So ra rarely will I use that first opportunity to go, oh, shit, not lost as much as I thought we would. We need to make some changes. Sometimes it's a case of, mm, I'm just going to stay the course. And then a lot of the time, what actually happens is their body then does settle into the approach. But everybody's different. 
everybody's different so it, it's never just as simple as do these steps do this movement and you'll lose this amount of weight my made by moist program is a prime example of that you never know what someone's metabolic health is until they jump on the program they adhere to the approach and we see how their body responds to it of course it goes without saying if you are more petite you need less calories you burn less so therefore it's a bit harder to lose if you don't move that much same rules apply however if you are taller chances are your deficit is going to be bigger if you're more active your deficit is going to be bigger if you weigh more your deficit is going to be bigger so there are factors at play but you me everybody we can't help our height we can help our weight we can help our activity level and so there's always something of which we can control to get the job done but there will be people out there that find it effortlessly easy i mean i say about composition uh being such a, a huge thing the more muscle you've got the more calories you burn so if you're both 5'4 and you're both i don't know 160 pounds but one of you has more muscle than the other then that person's going to burn more calories than you do despite the fact of you weigh the same and your height is the same and you're the same gender so it's important to bear in mind that when you are comparing the scales are never equal ever even in the most identical of situations, it's never equal. There are always nuances to it. Even in that twin study, there will be the influence of the step-parents. What they found was averages, what their physique tended to, to go back to as far as a set point is concerned. But the point I'm getting at in all of this is, as the old saying goes, comparison is the thief of joy. If you constantly go through your journey comparing to somebody else, you're actually missing the point. The whole point of a transformation journey is to become the best version of yourself, physically, mentally, spiritually, all of that. And so if you're comparing, immediately you've lost the battle because it doesn't work that way. Physiques don't work that way. The person you're comparing to has simply been working as optimally as they can or perhaps they haven't perhaps they do just have fluke genetics and great metabolism some people are effortless with what they do some people have to work their fucking ass off but none of us get to choose that but we can choose the effort that we put in in general we can choose to do our very best and our best is good enough we can choose to learn to evolve to maximize our movement to use our bodies, to exercise, to look after our nutrition, to establish balance. Compare yourself with the person you were yesterday. That's a better comparison. The person you were last week. Any further back than that can tend to be a bit of a mindfuck because these transformation journeys are exactly that, transformative. So if you go back any further, you're going to find that actually your mind is deceptive. And you're comparing yourself against the person that you're not anymore. I know this more so than anybody with seeing people go from the academy to flying solo. People are able to switch into different modes in different situations. This is why these programs can be so beneficial because it unlocks a side of someone. But they need the key, if you will, which is where the program comes in. So there's so much nuance to this. So much ambiguity with regards comparison that it's pretty much impossible to compare yourself to anybody friend foe colleague sibling family member social media person 
The best thing you can do is focus on optimizing yourself, optimize your adherence, and most importantly, optimize your life. As I said at the beginning of this podcast, the whole point of transformations is to become the best version of yourself, and it's to make sustainable, gradual lifestyle change to ensure that you're living your life to the very best of your ability, with balance, with enjoyment, with flexibility, because shit food tastes good, and sometimes we wanna be lazy, and there's nothing wrong with that. So just make sure you've got your mind focused on what you can actually change. Accept the things of which you can't change, and have the courage to change what you can. And of course, the wisdom to know the difference. But you knew that. So go forth, guys. Go and enjoy your February. Maximize it to the best of your ability in spite of the fact that next week is Pancake Day and Valentine's Day. Back to back, might I add. Heart-shaped pancakes are going to be a thing this year for sure. But just make sure that you've got a sensible head on your shoulders to understand that this is not the journey of a month. This is the journey of a lifetime. Gradual lifestyle change over to you. Toodles.